Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. This week, I am so excited that you get to join um, in a conversation with me and Elisa Childers. She has written a book that really she is an author of two books. Um, The first one is called Another Gospel, and I loved reading that book several years ago, Elisa. But this book that we're talking about today is your newest book, and it's called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, Exposing the Popular Deceptions that Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. Elisa, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it's so great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Sure. One of the reasons I was so excited, I'm so excited to talk with you today is as a mom reading your book, it has really challenged my thinking. Mm. Um, The whole premise of your book for anyone listening who hasn't read it is really a lot of times we don't understand the lies that we're believing. Isn't that true? Yeah, it's so true. And I think that my testimony in that, or what I've learned as I've been reading your book is number one, I know the truth that the cross is the answer to every lie that I identify the lie that I hold dear and I apply the gospel to it. And yet I think what I realized and what came to mind when I was reading your book is that I don't know that I'm identifying all the lies that I, Mm. as lies specifically. And one of the first ones that you, um, write about in your book is the lie that you are enough. Mm. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to set that up for us first and then I will confess how I have not understood it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so here's the thing, a couple of foundational things I think that would be helpful to our listeners and our audience here. Um, Every mom out there, like we've all blown it in certain areas. Like all of us have failed because we're human, right? There's going to be areas where things slip through the cracks or we completely did the wrong thing. And Mm -hmm. I think just overall, the best thing that a mom can do for her kids is just be open about that stuff. So, you know, my husband and I do that all the time, like, especially when we have these goals set for devotions or something, and we don't make those goals. We just tell the kids like, we blew it. We need to reset. Let's, let's reset as a family. Okay. We, you know, we, we let this slip through the cracks. So we're going to try better to do better. And I think that models for our kids that humans, I mean, parents aren't perfect. And so, um, you know, just like you, there, there's been implicit ways that I have, I think bolstered these lies in my kid's life and had to go back and go, wait a second, you know, I got to, I got to do a redo on on that one. (laughs) So, so you are enough. You know, one of the things about the quote unquote lies in the book is that these are like cultural slogans. So they can be interpreted through a lot of different lenses. And I certainly understand what people mean when they say you are enough. I don't think most people, when they say that, are meaning to communicate, you know, everything about you is just perfect. And don't listen to anybody who tells you that you need to improve in any area. Of course, that's not what people mean. But I think predominantly in our culture, when people are saying you are enough, there is the idea that that 
inside of you is this core of goodness that you just need to tap into. And that sounds really good, right? That sounds good. We look at our kids as moms and we think, man, I see the image of God stamped on that kid. I see all the beauty. I see all the goodness in that kid. But the one thing I think that if we don't think deeply enough about it is that we also have to hold that, that that fact that our kids are made in the image of God and have this deeply valuable, valuable core, but that core isn't good because the Bible teaches that we're fallen. And actually we pass down to our kids this sin nature. And it's so funny. I always tell moms, like, you don't even need a Bible to prove original sin because- Every mom knows that if you have two kids and you put one toy in the middle of the room, um, mm-hmm. you're going to see their sin nature in full display, right? So we know mm-hmm. it, and having a sin nature doesn't mean we're worthless. It doesn't mean that we're trash in the eyes of God. Um, it just means that our natural tendency is towards sin. Like, in other words, we naturally know how to sin. We have to be taught how to share, how to put others first, how to not steal, how to not lie. I mean, every kid is born knowing how to lie, right? That's just kind of like a default position. So I think it's just maybe, you know, acknowledging that and thinking a little bit more deeply about what we tell our kids, because it can be so tempting to say, you know, if your kid's getting bullied at school or there's the mean girl situation or whatever, to be like, you know what, you're enough. Just, you know, don't listen to those voices. And and it's right. We shouldn't listen to those voices. But to maybe the better message is, you know, you need to value yourself of who you are, who God made you to be, acknowledging that maybe you don't always respond to things perfectly, that you have a sinful nature that has this proclivity to sin. But when you're in Christ, you're adopted into his family. You're his kid. And, uh, you know, it's not like we have to tell our kids that they're just these horrible you know, things, you know, but, um, but to what we want to do is ground their worth and their value in God and not just in themselves, because, uh, we know that we do have this inner core. That's this sinful nature. And if we ground who we are in that, we can end up doing a lot of destruction. Yes. And I think that certainly I totally agree with you in that, because when I even talking last night to my little seven-year-old, we have a phrase in our family where we say, um, to our boys, we say, you know, you're, you're a man in the making and Mm -hmm. God is making and working in your life. And one day you will be in our prayers that you'll be a man who is following after God. And, and yet just last night he goes, yeah, but I'm not really strong. Mm -hmm. And I think, and it was, it was interesting because I was thinking about your book, actually, when I was Mm -hmm. talking with him, I'm like, you're, you're not yet. You're not. But you know what? God is at work in you and he will grow you and he will make you strong. And speaking instead of the common cultural mantra of, well, no, you're enough. You're enough. You're a great seven-year-old. But instead going, acknowledging and going, right, you're, you're not very strong. I mean, he has three older brothers who are like all big boy, you know, men brothers. And so he knows he's not strong. Right. And, and yet for that moment, that was really important, but to be able to speak a truth in there of you're not, but yet. Yeah. But you're in the making. (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is great because, you know, if you think about the self-esteem movement and what that really did to kids was it was grounding their self-esteem in some sort of, um, you know, inner thing that's just within them rather than it like self-esteem 
is a good thing. We want our kids to esteem mm-hmm. themselves properly and correctly, but self-esteem is earned, right? It's mm-hmm. not, if we just tell kids, oh, you're perfect just as you are, or you're the best singer I've ever heard. We're not doing them any favors when they get <laughs> out into the world and realize, you know, we, we've we all seen the American Idol ad- auditions where obviously everybody in this kid's life was just affirming them constantly yeah. and never said, hey, you know what? You got a lot of room for improvement. You know, mm-hmm. and and I'll help you. Let's let's work hard and and get there. And maybe one day you can be a great singer. But we're we've been so trained by the self esteem movement to just constantly affirm and just you know. Mm-hmm. And if it's not true, we're not doing our kids any favors. That's right. And I think the same truth is is true for me with that one, because I definitely identified in your book as you were writing and you were talking about you know my inherent belief that I should be enough as a mom, that I should have this worked out and be able to yeah. handle as all these kids, I have, you know, eight kids. And as, I mean, kids are just filling this home and I'm like failing on every front. Mm. And until I began to go and understand that the gospel never said, Bethany, you have to be it. Mm-hmm. You have to be enough. But instead God says, no, I, I am your covering and I am what is needed. I mean, oh my goodness, it set me free. That's so good. Well, and also if you think about like having all of those kids, you there's no possible way for you to be enough. You could be Mm-mm. the most perfect mom that's ever existed and you're there's still gonna be a need you're not gonna be able to meet in all of your kids at all of the time. You're gonna blow it from time to time. And what a better message even for your kids to say, look, mom's not enough. You need right. God, you need yes. the lord in your life to fill all the holes that i you know that i can't fill clearly not yeah Yeah, literally like that's an even better message than within not telling our kids they're enough is just making sure they know that we're not enough just so you know like i am not enough for you i never will be you know i mean that's that's a very liberating and important message for our kids to understand that you know your parents are not enough your spouse is not enough for you you need the lord yes yes and it was and it has been there have been many days (laughs) Where I yeah. said, listen. Oh yeah. Aren't we all glad that God is way better than mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm with you there, sister. Goodness. <laughs> oh, well, and then the second lie that I just really felt like, especially for my motherhood, that I have struggled with is the concept that um that God wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And again, I can really see it come alive in the way I mother my kids of believing and even coming to the Lord with prayers centered on the concept of God, don't you want them to be happy? Mm. And truthfully in our home story, and I have freedom from my kids to even share this on this level, but we've had lots of unhappy children, like Mm. children who have struggled with lots of painful and hard and raw places. Mm. and learning and and really reading your book more going, whoa, you know, suffering does lead to joy Mm. when it is centered on the one who is a joy giver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think this one is important because I think of all of the cultural lies that I talk about in the book, I think possibly the idea that God just wants me to be happy might be the most tempting one for Christians to slip into, Mm -hmm. not realizing that they've slipped into it. Even me as a mom, like you mentioned, I think about my kids and it's like, 
I, I want my kids to be happy. I do. I, I want them to have happy lives. I don't want them to struggle and suffer. And, you know, I mean, that's my heart toward them um, at the same time. And this is what I kind of talk about in the book is that actually God does want you to be happy, but mm-hmm. happiness has to be properly defined because in culture, happy is more like this uh, seeking of hedonistic pleasure, you know, having the big house and the perfect romance, fairy tale romance, and, um, you know, the picket fence or whatever it might be for whoever the career, you know, whatever it might be in culture, that's going to supposedly lead you to happiness. All of those things leave us empty. Um, if they're not totally rooted in a desire to, lay them down to the Lord and use them for his service. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so in other words, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a big house or a great career, but if, if that, if the goal, if the end goal is just having the big career or the big house, I mean, that's empty. But if the goal is to use those for the service of the Lord, and that's something he's birthed in your heart, great. But we have to define happiness properly because I think as Christians, we know our, so it has to do with purpose, right? If you think about the reason something was created, a friend of mine, Jay Werner Wallace, uses this great example. His wife makes the, um, it's German spätzle, I guess. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the way you make spätzle is it looks like a cheese grater, the machine, but you you basically take cooked potatoes and you press them through this okay. um, this thing that looks like a cheese grater, but it's not a cheese grater. It doesn't have sharp edges. So if you tried to grate cheese on it, it wouldn't work, but it looks like a cheese grater. And so he, the point he makes is that you know, this is a great spätzle maker, but it's a terrible cheese grater. Yeah. And if you think it's, a, if you try to use it as a cheese grater and you think it's a cheese grater, you're going to be frustrated. It's going to, you're going to be like, this is the worst cheese grater ever. Well, that's because it's not a cheese grater. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think about with us, it's like when we try to fulfill our purpose in life with these types of things, it, we're going to be like that spätzle maker that somebody's trying to grate cheese on. It's like, it's never going to be right. Now, if we are aligned with our purpose, which is to worship God and be in relationship with him, then no matter what our circumstance on earth, whether we get that great career or not, whether we have the fairy tale romance or not, whether we're single for the rest of our life or in a, you know, mediocre marriage that never really, you know, isn't really lighting our fire or whatever, like we can actually find real biblical happiness, true deep abiding joy because our purpose can be fulfilled even in those circumstances. So we can be uh, in relationship with God and having that deep abiding joy from him, even when the circumstances in our physical realm are not that great. And then the, the, the cherry on the top for Christians is that God takes those situations that we're struggling and even suffering, and he turns them for good. I mean, if you, I always tell people, like, think about the people in your life who have suffered the most and who have clung to the Lord in that in those times. Are they not the most mature people you know? Are they not the most compassionate people you know? Are they not the ones that are the first to reach out and help others? It's just, I mean, it just produces this amazing fruit in our lives when we let the Lord refine us in those kind of, my friend calls it custom crafted crucibles, right? It's kind of like knocks off our edges and causes us to cling to Christ. And it makes us better with other people too. Mm -hmm. So there's like this double-sided coin where no matter what the circumstance, we can have deep joy, but also God uses the difficulties if we'll let him uh, to produce great fruit in our lives. Yeah. I know walking with, so two of my kids have had journeys where we've in essence, in the middle of that, had to paint that for our kids Mm. and say, this is really hard. And I recognize that it feels like 
God has put you in this one road and all of a sudden now everything is turning to the left and you don't understand Mm. why. And yet, you know, and in essence, Mm -hmm. learning, uh, we've had to learn to teach this into our kids of saying, God is, this is a space that God is committed to. And if you will allow him to use it, he will highlight himself to you Mm. in ways that will make you testify to him that your friends around you can't necessarily do yet or won't, you know, they don't know God in that way. You know, the really real story. And my daughter has been on the podcast and she shared her story here, but she has walked through horrible anxiety and depression, really big Mm. struggles. Um, And yet today, Jesus is so real to her in a way Mm. that I, you know, other kids her age, you know, sometimes she's like, I don't know that I relate well sometimes, but her joy is deep. Mm-hmm. Because it's been brought about by a, a lot of suffering yeah. Yeah. and hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a mom, we, I just wanted to like scream at God for years and be like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's enough. Well, I've seen that even in our lives, you know, a couple, I've shared about this in my book, Another Gospel, but a couple of years ago, uh, my nephew died suddenly, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, first death, first death of a close family member I had certainly ever been through. And of course, my kids as their cousin, that was, I mean, at at such young ages. And I've seen the grief and walking through that produce a tremendous amount of compassion and depth in them that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, Even encountering friends who have had loved ones uh, die, they've they've been the ones that have understood how to grieve with their friends and and love their friends through that because of that horrific experience that they went through. God God really does use it, even though in the moment you don't see how that's possible. You're just like, how could this ever turn to good? Yeah. Oh, I I love your book. And I in the we'll put the 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 book title and links to it in the show notes for everybody who listens. But I think what I loved um at the end of your your book was the way that you ended by saying, if I can encourage you for three things. It was know the real thing Mm -hmm. that is as women, we need to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. We need to recognize and see him for who he is and be pursuing him. Mm -hmm. And then you said, you know, be willing to suffer in the small things and be faithful there. Mm -hmm. And then finally to be committed to truth, no matter what. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to be in the word of God, because if we're not getting the real Jesus Mm -hmm. from God's revealed word, then it's the temptation to create a Jesus in our own image. Like I know so many people who don't read the Bible, they're not engaging with the voice of God in the word of God. And the Jesus, I'm using air quotes here, the, the Jesus that they end up following is really just themselves. It's it's the Jesus that would do all the things they do, the Jesus that would respond in the way they would respond. And, and really we're supposed to conform ourselves to, to that, not the other way around. Yeah. And I love the fact that you, you took time in the book. Um, I work with a lot of moms and a lot of women and, and the struggle to feel confident being in the word for the word's sake Mm. and studying God's word is, I think it's a struggle for a lot of Mm -hmm. women. They don't feel really confident that they can do it. 
believe that they can do it. And I love that you took the time to really be like, this is how we read in context. Mm -hmm. This is how we, you know, we, um, we understand what is actually being said and is it being said to us? And Mm -hmm. I appreciated that because I think it is important as we're learning who Jesus is to actually truly read the word. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time. I know that, um, you have, you will be encouraging so many with this book and for everybody listening, the book again is called live your truth and other lies exposing popular deceptions that make us anxious, exhausted, and self-obsessed. And I highly recommend this book. It is a wonderful book to begin to look at your life again and say, wait a minute, Lord, what am I believing? What have I allowed to seep in and Mm -hmm. kind of sneak under and wiggle into my thought life that is not of you? Thank you, Elisa. I appreciate your time. Oh, I loved it. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, When we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.